Welcome to the Rebecca Panapinto Project. Today, I'm excited to host a very dear friend named Gaia Renwick. Now, Gaia was an early employee of Google, where he spent more than a decade as the head of industry for their healthcare practice, supporting the growth of the tech giant's healthcare department, all while enabling the healthcare organizations that he served to use Google's full suite of products. Geyer was also responsible for creating and launching the Google Grants program, which was there to help nonprofits grow by leveraging technology. It later became Google.org. After leaving Google, Geyer went to work for Lyft, where he built the healthcare business there from the ground up. Their biggest focus was addressing the gap in transportation for some of our most vulnerable populations in the United States. This then led to Geyer guiding the overall Lyft business function. Geyer and his team spearheaded a program that helped provide non-emergency medical transportation to low-income and elderly patients who do not have access to quality transportation. They were able to expand this offering to all healthcare patients, even enabling those with Medicare, Medicaid, and commercial insurance plans to leverage the platform. Now, Geyer serves as the Chief Operating Officer for an incredible company called Modern Health. They are helping employers to support the mental health of each of their individual employees and making a huge impact in the world. We talk a lot about this today, and you'll also love Geyer's take on impactful leadership. Enjoy the show. Hello, Geyer, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me here. It's good to see you. So excited. We've been friends, gosh, for a long time now. I think I've seen you probably more in person in different states <laughs> than anybody else. Like, I don't think I ever saw you in your home state, or maybe you saw me in mine once, but it's like every major healthcare conference is like, oh, there's Geyer. Yeah, the conference circuit. I think that's where we met up quite a few times. Yeah, I love it. It's so fun. And I've been a huge fan of yours throughout it all. And so I'm so excited to have you on the show today and hear about what you're doing. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me here. Appreciate it. Yeah. So Modern Health, such a cool company. And I just love your progression through healthcare in general. Google, Lyft, now what you're doing. But tell us from the Modern Health perspective, what is the impact you guys are making on digital transformation within the greater healthcare ecosystem? Yeah, well, uh, thanks for asking me that too. And yeah, I've been here at Modern Health now for seven months. So it's uh, okay. relatively new and traditional company years and, and Modern Health years, it feels like I've been here a lot longer than that. So we are, we're a fast paced growing company right now. And what I love about Modern Health is I really do think we're having just an amazing impact in the world today. And that personally, just throughout my career, whether it was at Google or at Lyft or here, just centered back into mission and purpose is what gets me excited and motivated to do the job that I do as well. Um, what I, you know, you asked about healthcare. I mean, my whole career has been in healthcare and why I love healthcare is I feel like there's, there's some amazing problems to solve. And, and if you can do it, you fundamentally just make amazing impact on people's lives. And, you know, I go back to my time at Google or at Lyft or here at Modern Health. It's just, you can feel really positive about the impact you're making. So that, that first of all, makes me excited. Um, what I love about what we're doing in, in modern health is we're really trying to address the needs of our mental health. And to me, it's such an important issue that I feel like as a society and as a healthcare system, we've just failed to have adequate solutions to meet this need. And, you know, I've gone through the process myself for my family, for my loved ones to be able to find mental health services. And I'd say the market today is incredibly fragmented and it's, it's frankly broken. It's, it's, unfortunately, it's a, the populations, a need that we haven't really addressed today. And so what I'm excited about is the work we're doing at Modern Health is we're fundamentally changing the way that people not only get access to mental health, but even how they think about mental health and really trying to remove some of the stigma, remove some of those barriers, and hopefully bring better technology to an area that hopefully helps get people the help that they need. Very cool. I think stigma is a big barrier of entry for anybody. Um, so the fact that you're bringing awareness and 
uh, I mean, by having the digital element, you can let people be comfortable from their home as they are taking care of their mental health. Um, but I will say you solve big problems. guy. <laughs> You're like, what is the hardest healthcare problem to solve? That's the one I want to go for uh, with Google Lyft and even now with modern health. So around mental health, beyond just removing the stigma, what do you think the biggest challenge that you guys are chipping away at with modern health is right now? Yeah, I think first of all, what we our, our philosophy is that everyone everyone suffers with some type of mental health problem. So I think if you think about mental health, we always talk about in this color spectrum, and we think about people's gradient of mental health ranges from green to yellow to red. And the way society breaks down, it's a bell curve. So around twenty percent of the population fits within the green, the less acuity. About sixty percent in the yellow needing some type of intervention or help, and then twenty percent in the red or really needing clinical intervention. And similar to, I think, everyone's health is that mental health, everyone falls on that spectrum. And I think what's important for us here is that not only are we helping get people to the right care that they need, but helping reach them at the time they're actually willing to get that care. And so when you come to Modern Health, we're doing a few things. We're one, we're triaging you to the appropriate level of care. And so we do intakes and assessments and say, you know, clinically, you're about, you're your current uh, mental health puts you in the need of seeing a therapist. And so you're in that red bucket there. What's interesting though, is when you also, the population that comes to us, some people aren't really ready to see a therapist. We see that at times over 50% of people that come to Modern Health say, I don't wanna have one-on-one care. I only wanna interact with your digital experience or any type of structured coaching or other types of non-one-on-one care you can offer. And so what's interesting is you're trying to actually appeal to where are people's preferences? What type of care do they wanna have? Additionally, what type of care do they need to have? Actually helping navigate them through that journey. And what's really interesting is you have someone that comes in that maybe is appropriate for therapy, but there is still a stigma or there's not a willingness to get that type of help today. If you can bring them through a digital experience and help kind of step their care up, eventually maybe you can get them to see a therapist because that is appropriate for them as well. And then the other inverse of that, you also have people that come to Modern Health and say, I've always seen a therapist. I want to see a therapist. And maybe that's not the appropriate level of care for them. And two things with that is one, Unfortunately, there's not enough therapists in the world to actually address the mental needs of everyone. And so if you just allow everyone to get therapy, you push everyone to therapy, it's actually not good for the whole ecosystem. And that's what creates this kind of backlog of maybe those that need the care can't have it. And two, from a, from a, just a, like a societal issue, that means that people that maybe want to get care can't get the experience that they want and they can't get connected to a therapist. And so I think what's interesting about modern health is we're not only think about holistically the network of providers out there and how do you efficiently disperse that, but then two, how do you actually bring people in when they're ready for a certain type of care and either step them up or step them down based on where they are within that spectrum. Very cool. How much, say you're a red person, although I'm sure nobody wants to voluntarily be a red person and it's, you need to engage with the therapist. Once that starts happening, how much is it about the person they're talking to, the personality and like a, a cultural match between these two individuals for ultimately success of that benefit. Yeah. And one thing I'll say is to your point there, it's, it's, we all fall within that spectrum. We actually move up and down. So at times in my life, I've probably been in the red population and then I move back to the yellow and to the green. And so, I mean, obviously the last two plus years of the way the world's operating, there has been more disruption to folks' mental health than we've probably seen them quite a bit at time. Um, and so in some ways, like that's a spectrum, we all move up and down. So just to be clear, I think that there, throughout all our lives, everyone moves and fluctuates. And 
whether it's relationship changes, career changes, or just life events, that, that pushes up and down that spectrum. I think what's interesting is when you, when you come to Modern Health, we do a lot to actually invest in actually building a really strong network of providers. And when we think about a provider, when you come to Modern Health, we want to match you to someone that reaches the preferences you want, whether that's age, demographic, specialization, location. Our care, even pre-pandemic, over 50% of our visits were actually done in person. So we actually are having network of providers that actually can see people face-to-face. -face. Obviously, during times of COVID, that's, that's shifted almost exclusively online. But we have a, actually a physical network of providers that can do virtual or in-person visits. What's also really interesting, too, is this the, the network we have. We try to actually man manage to what we call time to care. I mean, when you come to Modern Health, we want to connect you to a provider in less than 24 hours. I mean that you actually have a first available session with the provider, which is incredibly hard to do. Like if you look at traditional EAPs or traditional carriers, most times people measure that in weeks or in months. We want to actually make that connection incredibly fast because we know if you need the help you need, you're trying to get connected to someone, we want to make that experience as fast as possible. But we also want to connect you to someone that really focused on what's important to you. So if you have OCD, you want to see a provider that specializes in OCD. If you suffer from eating disorders, you want to be matched to another provider that specializes in that. And what we found is that actually helping give people the preferences, so allowing people not only time to care, but also managing to what's, what's your preferences, who do you want to see, how do you want that care received, and then match people to match that specialization becomes an incredibly powerful tool, not only for members, because as a member, I want to see someone that focuses on what I care about, but even as a provider, providers are ultimately want to treat people that have the same focus, the same specialization that they have probably spent years of their career working towards to be able to. And so we find that ability to actually match that and that personal connection becomes incredibly powerful. And then on top of that, you think about it, it's actually probably similar to my time at Lyft as well. When you think about every time you get out of Lyft, you can rate that driver. We take that same quality and frankly, rigor of our network back to our providers, where if you finish with a provider and you have a, a great session, we can capture that rating and we can actually obviously know that. If you don't, we can actually inter interject and actually step in with that provider and take action on that as well too. And to me, that's a really strong piece of our network and the quality and speed is something that, and personalization, I think are all three areas that really distinguish us and ultimately help create such a better experience really for both sides of them. That's very cool. I would say for me too, uh, a personal note, not so much with therapy, but like personal trainers, as executive coaches, like these people, my intrigue in meeting with them next or staying with them long-term had so much to do with how well we were matched. Yeah. And um, I don't know that an algorithm solves it all the time, but the more you can build those and learn from those, the better hit rate you ultimately will get. And then you'll see these folks engaged longer and more because like it's somebody they feel comfortable with and they want to learn from. And um, I couldn't see training with anybody else other than Lee, who I work out with at this point, like yeah. he's my, my guy, he gets it. He knows what to do. He knows how to guide me. He knows where I'm weak, where I'm strong and how to encourage me. Yeah. And I think that is a really personal relationship that becomes incredibly powerful. And to your point, it's not going to always be the best match as well. And that's the nice thing is like, you can come to modern health, you can get matched to a coach or a therapist or any type of one-on-one -on -one care. If it isn't the right fit as well, too, we can move on and we can help rematch you. And we do that through algorithms. We also do that through people and actually have almost like care navigators that can help you manage the experience as well. And so it really is a personal relationship that we help create a match. And um, I think make sure that's the right fit for that, for what they're, that individual is looking for.
Very cool. We've looked at this for the most part from a perspective, I think of somebody who has identified that their mental health state needs to be addressed and they need help. But what about within the industry, providers, and maybe even your customers, how are you seeing them be impacted by the business that you're able to leverage and what you're able to bring to the table as modern health? Yeah. So our model today is we work directly through employers. And so when we, we, we contract directly with employers, when we launch to employers, what I, what I love about our experience is we drive really high engagement. So when we launch to an organization, on average, we see about 30% engagement across an employee base, which is really, really high. I mean, relative traditional benefits, usually that's in the order of one to 3%. And so the actual adoption of actual benefits is really high. And, we've, and the reason for that is we've created an experience that is a very consumer-driven content experience. So when you come, you're downloading the app, you're actually in digesting digital content, you're taking assessments, but it really becomes an engaging product that people actually utilize. And then from there, we actually can actually route you to level of care. But in some ways, like over the past two years, especially, the number of employees that are getting pressure from, or employers are getting pressure from their employees to have a solution like ours is really driving the conversation. That's why you're seeing adoption really high. That's why you're seeing engagement really high. And I will say across the Fortune 500 or one, today, I mean, every single one of those companies are talking to us or our competitors about a solution like ours. And to me, that's what's exciting. is like, we're really addressing an acute need of populations today. And you have an employee base that is more actively engaged and aware and wanting to have a conversation about mental health than you've ever seen before too. And that's in some ways it's a great combination and it just creates an opportunity for us to hopefully go out and work with these employers and actually hopefully make a really important difference across our employee base. The other thing I'll oh, say yeah. that too is we do a lot to actually support our employers. So not only are we providing solutions to our members, but we also take information across large employee bases and say, how do you actually understand the well-being of your populations? How can we actually provide insights and almost analytics across people's mental health to the employers we work with? And that becomes a really powerful tool as an employer to actually understand, you know, what pockets of my team, is it team, department, or location specific? Obviously, we don't give individual personal information, but on aggregate, you can really help employers understand their population and ultimately take action on that and help actually provide additional services. And what I love about Myron Health is we do a lot in terms of one-on-one -on -one care, but we also do group sessions. We do more structured coaching for new managers, other populations as well. And we actually try to help support our employers and, and build technology for them as well. I'm sure it makes massive changes and just really helps an employer from this like great resignation, keeping people happy perspective. A thing that comes to mind, I'm curious about is how do you protect confidentiality? Yeah. Like, yeah some, how yeah. do you get people comfortable with, Hey, I'm going to allow my employer to help me go through maybe a work issue, maybe an extremely personal issue that usually you wouldn't talk about at work. Where's the balance in that? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important. So first of all, from a privacy perspective, we don't ever give personal information. So as an individual, when I log to modern health, an employer is not seeing my personal interactions or understanding individually what I'm doing, but they can see that across an entire uh, population. So we do a lot of different assessments at the time of onboarding and throughout a journey with Modern Health. So after you see a provider or once a month or you have different points, we can actually push assessments out and we're actually measuring almost well-being of populations. And so while you can't see me as an individual, what my mental health is, I can see across different pockets of my business. So for example, I can see my sales team in the US is currently trending in this direction. This is how their well-being has actually changed over time. 
how does that compare to my technology team or other parts of you know the world that I have teams based out of? And so I think understanding populations in aggregate, we don't disclose information when it gets below 10 people, but on aggregate, you can actually really provide really interesting insights and actually help them take action. And then on top of that, we build a professional service team that's actually clinicians that are actually helping take action and take those insights and actually do something with it for employers. So we can actually put together specific content. We can actually create structured, really content specifically for individual employers based on what they're seeing in their populations. And to your point, it's becoming a way that employers are actually thinking about managing their current populations. And we've done some research that we actually just published earlier this year around attrition rates, for example, to be able to show that the populations that engage with modern health are less likely to leave the company. And so that becomes a great, frankly, retention opportunity for them. And so you're seeing employers push the use of modern health to actually try to retain employees, as well as doing things like improving performance scores and just overall just success of that employee at the company as well. I love that. Man, is it so important when it comes to mindset and mental health and being able to, to be a good performer and be fully engaged at work. So the more companies realize that and get behind it, it is how they're going to have longevity with their employees and um, make bigger impacts in the world, I think, than they even see at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it that I think as a society, we're talking more about that, whether it's at the workplace or if it's even athletics, you're seeing, you know, perform, you know, folks in the Olympics, folks in professional sports, talk about mental health, talk about mindfulness, talk about how important this is for them to perform on an optimal level. And that absolutely translates back to the workplace. And I just love as a society, that conversation now has become really front and center for so many folks. Very cool. Now I want to talk a little bit more about Geyer in the ecosystem of modern health. And as part of your career journey, not only have you had all these different experiences with healthcare, but you've gone from being revenue to operations. How did that journey come about? And where are you finding passion maybe in this new skill set you're developing? Yeah, no, I think it's, a, it's been a great transition. And I think throughout my career, I've taken on kind of more sales roles or operations roles. And you know, I think I started my career at Google back in 2003. So this was back in the early days of Google and really built up my career in a sales role. And especially back then when, when digital advertising was not the way that brands invested, I always say like, we really had to sell back then too, because there was, there was a lot of just transformational changes in terms of how people think about digital advertising versus print or radio or TV or anything else as well. And so I feel like back then it was incredibly challenging in terms of the sales process. When I left Google, I went to Lyft and, and started the healthcare business. And I think that's when you and I met as well, too. And mm -hmm. to me, which was the work we were doing there, one was incredibly meaningful, where it was we were trying to help some of our lower income and elderly populations get better access to uh, treatment through offering better transportation. And in that role was a combination of revenue and sales and an incredible amount of operations where we're actually staying up a new product. We we're building the business from scratch. Um, and feel like I got exposed a little bit more to the operations side there. And I will say the scale that Lyft operated to be able to, at the time, have millions of drivers all across the country offering transportation in a matter of minutes. Like I was just in awe in terms of like the infrastructure that actually had to be built to make that possible. And so for me, like coming to a role like Modern Health, my role is very cross-functional. So I lead all of our go-to-market teams, our clinical teams. I also run our legal team. But then on top of that, I also run all of our operations teams. So around all of our provider recruitment, and to make that possible to be matched to providers in 24 hours across the globe, you know, we operate today in over 55 different countries and our 24 hour time to care is global. So no matter where you are, 
we can match you a provider in the language you speak within less than 24 hours. And that that type of infrastructure and scale is just incredibly complex and it's it's challenging. And so to me, like in a role like I'm in now and making that transition from sales to operations, in some ways, like you're you're stepping back a little bit in terms of being on the front line. You know, you're you're not the one, you know, I describe it as you're, you're almost like an air traffic controller. So you're not the one necessarily flying every single plane out there, but you're hopefully helping orchestrate all these different pieces of it and making sure everyone continues to move forward. And I kind of love that view where you're you're trying to have a broader impact. And I love having a broader charter, but I also frankly love to like get in the weeds and get in the plane at times and help people help people fly, but then be able to step back again too and kind of set them on their way. And to me, that plays well into what I feel like that, you know, I enjoy doing is, I mean, I love being a coach. I love being a, a mentor to people on my team across the business. And this operations role allows you to, in some ways, get in in the weeds, get help them be successful, but then also set them in a different direction and move on. And, and having that broad charter, some ways is a challenge at times, but it also, it's, it's incredibly enjoyable and just inspiring to feel like you're helping lead such a big part of the team. That's amazing. I'm sure you get that much more respect from them and can empathize too with the fact that you've flown the plane before. And so now you're going to make that part of the job that much easier for them by going and, and, and doing the part that takes a little more focus and a little more detail orientation. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think so. And I think that's to me just personally something that I, you know, when I joined Lyft, I, I left a fairly large team at Google and went to Lyft and I had a team of one when I first started. And it was really going back to being an IC again and, you know, a partner that helped build the business together, but it was, you know, time to roll up your sleeves and kind of get back down the trenches and, and do the work together. And to me, that's something that no matter what role you're in or what organization or team or level you're a part of, like that's something just personally, I always try to do as well. And I think you can build credibility and you also just understand the needs of the business in a way that you can, if you're not willing to do that. That's good. Now you're big on culture too. Granted, the companies you all been in, including now Modern Health, have an incredible culture. But I think a lot of that stems from your leadership and your intentionality about that. Do you have a philosophy and maybe something you do day over day or week over week to ensure that you're building an amazing culture in a place that people want to work? Yeah, um, I, I, mean, I grew up at Google and obviously in the early days of Google, I was part of Sheryl Sandberg's organization. And um, her whole, I think, leadership style and the way that she built a leadership team around her was really based on this foundation of what um, a woman named Kim Scott wrote a whole book around was this a concept of radical candor, where the whole concept of radical candor means you have to build incredibly important, meaningful relationships with people and, and work your way up that, that spectrum of care. But you've also, once you have those relationships, you got to be willing to, in Kim Scott's word, like piss people off is the way she described it. And in some ways, that means like be brutally honest with people in the times that maybe are hard to do. And it's hard to do as an individual to give someone that feedback. It's also hard to do as sometimes the person receiving that feedback. And so to me, that's kind of the philosophy I use when I think about building culture is let's build incredibly important, strong relationships with each other. Let's also make sure that because of those relationships, we're willing to be incredibly direct and honest and Kim's word radically candid with each other to give people the feedback they need. And so to me, that's what builds great teams and great cultures is having strong relationships, but then also being willing to challenge people and give people that feedback. And that's something, frankly, on a daily basis. I do actually just did a training for my team here at Modern Health across the company around radical candor and just said, this is how I approach not only my work relationships, my personal relationships or any relationships you have in your life is just being willing to challenge people, but also 
get to know people at a personal level and make sure they realize and you can show them that you really care about them. Yeah, there's a balance between overstepping and uh, upsetting people by being too open without having that rapport. But if you lay that foundation, then everybody benefits and everybody appreciates candor more than anything because it does, it helps everyone get better and it builds tighter relationships like gaslighting and these things that happen in certain situations because people won't lay this foundation of trust in a relationship do more damage for mental health than if you are there to be, Hey, we're a team, we're going to help each other and we're going to invest each other. And even though it's painful, like it's done and caring and a foundation of like, I really value this friendship relationship, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And I think sometimes some of the best relations that are built on those moments where you have to tell someone, you know, incredibly challenging or difficult feedback and sometimes painful in the moment, but after the fact, I think it makes hopefully both of you better and it strengthens the relationship you have with people. And to me, that's something I just, in any work environment, I think it's, it's sometimes hard to do. Cause I think as a, just as a society and as you enter the workforce, you're almost told to be professional and create those barriers and those times those blockers of that. And so to be willing to be vulnerable, be willing to actually open yourself up and kind of bring your whole self to work, I think is sometimes a challenge for people as well. And so when I you know, I joined Modern Health and I took on a management of these folks, one-on-one relationships. It was all about building a relationship, understanding who they were, understanding what motivates them, and then being pretty transparent about myself, my personal life, my challenges, my goals as well, and just trying to build a relationship through transparency, I think was really important. Yeah. One of the things I admire about you, uh, running around, you've got four kids, building your own little farm out there in, in California. Uh, tell us about how you like to spend your time outside of work to make sure you have this well-rounded, balanced life. Yeah. Well, thank you for asking that too. Um, so yes, I live in California in the Bay Area. I live on about two acres here on the kind of outskirts of the Bay Area. I have four kids all under the age of 14 right now too. So they definitely keep me busy. Um, and then on top of that, we have a, a whole farm we've built over the past two years as well, too. So we've got goats and sheep and pigs. I just bought my wife two alpacas for Christmas. Yes. We, we grow most of our own food. We harvest honey. Um, and I love that all my kids have become these little entrepreneurs. So they start a little weekend uh, farm stand in front of our house where they sell chicken eggs and honey and produce and signing up people for a delivery business for uh, CSA Amazing. boxes. So. I'd say the time I spend with my family is probably number one and making sure that I carve out time for my kids, my, you know, and my farm as well. Um, I guess additionally to that too, I love to run Ironman races. That was something I got it back into back in 2018. Um, and so that's become a passion of mine as well too. And something that, you know, I'm up every day at 5.30 running around, riding my bike, swimming or, or getting out there as well. And that's personally something that just keeps me centered and it's kind of the time within the day that's kind of for personally for myself and so I enjoy the training I enjoy the races and something I, I definitely love doing very cool how many have you completed now um so I have a goal so I've done three or I've done four fulls and four halves right now um okay. I have a goal to get to 10 uh once you get to 10 you can qualify for Kona which is the race that started it all um so I'll be, I have three fulls I'm signed up for this year, which everyone says is too many. So we'll see how that goes, but I enjoy the journey. And I enjoy the challenge. And, you know, for me, when I got in this, this was back in 2018, I signed up and I had a goal to run an Ironman and I never 
been on a road bike. I had never swam more than a few laps and I don't think I'd ever run more than maybe five miles. And I said, sounds like a good goal to sign up for a big race that I don't think I can do today. And so on one day I signed up for an Ironman, a half Ironman, an Olympic and a sprint and kind of all the steps around the journey there. And from literally the day I signed up to a year, I went through it and did all those races and survived and finished my first Ironman. And after that, literally crossing the finish line, I was so hooked. I came home that night and signed up for some more races because I said, yes. this is the best time. The feeling when you cross the race after 15, 16 hours of, of running, biking, swimming is you, you feel incredibly excited. You feel motivated and you feel like you can do anything. So those are all the times I come home and sign up for more races because that, that keeps me going. When the adrenaline's high, yes, yeah. <laughs> go, go do it then. And then you go, oh, wait, uh, I can make it happen. Uh, no, I'll never forget. It was hymns one year. There was a step challenge and it was like totally your normal to put, oh, gosh, I don't know, at least six, seven miles on every morning. And it's just every day, the leaderboard, you came that much more ahead of everybody to a point where like the gap was so big by the end, it was just, nobody could even do that in one day. Uh, and it was just your normal, like I get up and run. It's yeah. so cool. And I think um, it's got to do wonders for your mental health. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we were in Vegas that year, I think too. And yep. it was the run the run up and down the strip at 5 a.m. is an interesting time. There's, there's a lot of different people out at that hour as well too. So it was, uh, I think over the week, I did almost over a hundred miles, I think over the week at the end there as well. But it was a, it was a great challenge. Normal. Ended up raising some money for charity as well too, which was a good outcome. Very cool. What would you say, like from a mental health perspective, doing all this has impacted you? Like, is it, stamina is it problem solving like what are the biggest outside of i know everybody talks about the runner high what yeah. are the biggest benefits that you've noticed from a mental perspective of just getting out there and putting on miles after miles every morning yeah i mean i will say i mean throughout our lives like we everyone leads, like especially in this world like we live busy lives right where we have families we have full-time jobs you know we're on zoom now almost all hours of the day um, and so for me personally, I mean, I wake up every day at 530, even on the weekends, I wake up at 530. It just becomes my routine of I get up and I will say like, there's incredible calm within the chaos of, of that time when you're running by yourself at 530 and, you know, nobody's really awake yet and the sun's just coming up like it's incredibly peaceful and kind of way to center yourself for the day. And it's a time where I do a lot of retro just thinking, you know, you retrospectively look back at what you've accomplished in personal life and professional life and start to think through around what do you want to do next? And so to me, it's just like, it's a time where there's less distractions and I try to not listen to music and not necessarily even listen to podcasts, but really just keep it quiet um, where it allows you just kind of this internal thinking. And without a doubt, like there's always stressful moments. And to me, it's something I actually look forward to because I, I love that, that silence. And that was hard to do at first. You know, most of the time people run, they listen to music, they listen to podcasts or, or books. And in some ways that's great. It's a distraction, but it kind of doesn't cause you to almost think and kind of think internally and kind of take the time to kind of take care of yourself that way. And so I love those moments and it's something I look forward to. And, you know, it didn't, it took me a while to get used to wake up at 530. Now it's actually something that, that I wake up with an alarm clock, but I will say I was never a morning person, so I trained myself to do that and, and got used to it. And now it's something I just, I really look forward to. That's very cool. I've noticed too, like just sitting and meditating is really hard. <laughs> like yeah. stillness and being still is extremely hard, but stillness with physical engagement, I can make happen. 
and I've been surprised that like Spartan, for example, that's my uh, workout of choice. They don't even allow you to have headphones on course because it, it could be dangerous, but also I think they want you to be a part of the full experience. And I love that. Like my mind feels the most clear. Um, if I go into it, like with a problem I want to solve, I have some answers around that by the end of the race. And it's that much easier to have a form of meditation because my whole body's engaged. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree with that. And I, I got into Spartan races too. I enjoy those as well yes. too. I feel like they beat your body up a little bit more than Ironman races do, but those are, those are another challenging thing that I definitely love doing too. And yeah, it's awesome. You keep doing those. Yeah. We'll run one together one day. Love that. That'd be great. Out in Cali. Okay. I want to shift gears now to one final question for you and it's around principles. I want to hear throughout your wonderful healthcare adventure. What has been one core principle that you've really clung to that's helped you be successful in business? Yeah, I think number one for me is, I'd say is relationships. You know, I really invest a lot in the people that I've worked with and worked with me, for me, I've worked for as well. And throughout my career, you know, whether it was joining Google back at that stage or going to Lyft or ultimately coming here to Modern Health, there's not a single job that I ever got that was not about a relationship I had with someone. Either it was a personal relationship or professional relationship. You know, anytime that you you go to interview for a job, people take your references, they, they back channel and ask people around you. And I always try to invest a lot in just people first. Like I really value the relationships I have. I really try to, if I'm working for someone, try to invest a lot in like, what can I learn from them? Like, what, what advice can I take from them leading those conversations? How do I ask for feedback pretty regularly from everyone around me? So the number one, I'd say is just relationships with people. And I think it's something that people don't prioritize enough. They don't prioritize meaning, maintain those relationships. I mean, it's hard. I mean, there's, there's personal relationships, there's professional relationships, and you've got to invest a lot into all those in order to actually cultivate and manage those. I have mentors today that I worked with at Google or worked at Lyft and they're people I call and I ask for advice. And, you know, I will say every single week I'm having a one-on-one -one someone that used to work for me as well. And I'm trying to be a mentor and a, hopefully a, giving them some words of wisdom that I can help them with as well. And so I invest a lot into the people that have worked on my team and for me, because I want to ultimately give back and support them. And then I also invest a lot of the relationships of people that I worked with in those early days at Google's. I mean, it, there's incredible caliber people have gone off to be and do these amazing jobs and be COs and COs and leaders across these organizations. And those are people that I personally can rely on and I can ask for advice and help and guidance over those time. And so I'd say my principle is invest in relationships and make sure that you're prioritizing that as part of your life as well. That's good. And I'm sure you have a interesting perspective on it, especially because of the industry you're serving today. And I think the definition of relationships and relationship management has changed because we've gone so digital and there's got to be a balance between, you know, just sending each other memes on Instagram yeah. versus like developing a true trusted advisor relationship. And you hit on it a little bit earlier, like before you can really have radical candor, there's got to be a foundation. You've got to make sure it's a really solid foundation and it doesn't have to be in person, but it also can't be two service levels. It's got to be a just way that you're willing to um, share what you care about and your passions and what you do outside of work to really make it feel like legitimate and yeah. like a solid foundation so that you can take that next step and actually being able to build something together and have a bigger impact in the world through that relationship versus it being um, too surface level, which sometimes can be comfortable. 
especially because technology enables it today, but allowing it to go another step. And I'm sure enabling your therapist to do that is something that can really make a bigger impact. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And I think it goes back to just even how you present yourself and manage those personal relationships is, is kind of how vulnerable are you willing to be and how much can you open up? And, you know, when I have a team I take on, I, like I said before, I share a lot about me and share a lot about who I am and my life and what's important to me. And, and I ask questions about my team the same way as well. Like what's their motivation? What are their ultimate? I always talk about having career conversations with your team and where do they want to go? You know, in some ways, I know everyone on my team isn't going to work for me at Modern Health and work a part of this team forever. And so I want to help them be successful. And I also want to understand just what motivates them and inspires them and keeps them um, going every day. And so to me, that's what's also ex exciting about relationships is like, how can you invest in the people themselves? And really, how do you build those personal connections? And to me, it's about being transparent, it's being open and being willing to listen. I think a lot of people are not great listeners as well, too. And just to stop a little bit and pause and take the moment to like really hear what people are having to say and respond with the intent of listening, not respond with the intent of, or listening with intent to respond. I think it's a really important measurement. It's good. I like it. Guy, you're awesome. Such an inspiration. Thanks well, for coming thank on the you. show. Thank you for all the kind words as well too. Mm -hmm. Yes. Everyone check out modern health, amazing company, keep tabs on Guy. They're doing big things and we're excited to see the next challenge that you decide to tackle. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Guys.